This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 13. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. And I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and joined today also by our producer and co-host, Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. How are you? Very well, very well. Here we are into the month of March. Can you believe it? Man, and I walked outside with a short sleeve shirt on and shorts, and it was fantastic. It was like 65 degrees or something. It's 68 here. At last I checked in Colorado. So, yes, uh, nice little uh, warm up after a very cold week last week although i i know because i'm kind of heading your way here in a couple of days matthew at least to the cleveland uh, youngstown area mm-hmm. that uh the weather will be changing here before too long <laughs> we will welcome you to ohio weather very quickly with <laughs> changing changing tides and all that <laughs> randy on facebook says he's in socal laying in sand watching <laughs> nice Hoppers in uh, the southeast. He's he's uh, eighty five degrees. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Today we are discussing uh, the most recent Shooter Ready Challenge video that is published up on ShooterReadyChallenge dot com. Uh, part of that uh, Shooter Ready Challenge video series that we've been doing now for a couple of years, and uh, this month's Shooter Ready Challenge is uh, do, well. I called it the Table Start. And, and really all that is is a, is a simple way of describing the idea that we're picking a gun up and then using it uh, as opposed to drawing it from a holster, let's say, or even coming from a bag. Uh, so picking something up off the table or out of, say, a safe, a quick access vault, that kind of thing, that is the relevance of today's episode. And I think we'll find some, some nice tie-ins as well, Matthew to uh, situations like uh, for those of you that go to shooting ranges where you can't do work from the holster uh, we're going to cover some some things re- related to how to how to conduct a table start in other words pick the gun up off table and say shoot a drill or something in a manner that is most efficient but also uh, safe because safety is paramount uh, with uh, any time we're handling a firearm. So should be a good episode full of content for you all here today. But first, today's episode sponsored and brought to you by LASR or Laser Activated Shot Reporter System. And that uh, they, they, are, they are the guys over there that have developed the software from the get-go um, that I think has transformed the industry because we see a lot of other players in that space now and some of them are doing good things, but the, uh, the, the OGs mm-hmm. of the dry fire software is laser app. Uh, and, and you can find them at lasrapp.com, laserapp.com. Uh, I am a particular fan of the laser X series of the software because it allows me to use any mobile or computer device with a camera and an internet connection and a web browser. Mm-hmm. So I just set it up and run the software and do my thing. Now, we we always should have a good mix and variety, I think, in our dry fire practice. So I, I, I maybe am not using uh, a laser cartridge like our Ready Up Gear Laser Dot Trainers uh, together with LaserX software all the time for dry fire because there's lots of other things in dry fire that needs to be worked on. But I will say that the value of laser app software is in the metrics that you can gather even in a dry fire environment. And that is pretty much something you can't do with anything else, at least as reliably or consistently or accurately. So consider picking up or getting a license you can get the monthly month-to-month license or yearly or excuse me or, or a lifetime license which i would certainly recommend uh by going to laserapp.com l-a-s-r-a-p-p.com also sponsors of today's episode and they also happen to be sponsors of uh, uh of the shooter rate challenge and laser is one of those laser app 
but also we have Barrel Block, barrelblock.com uh, is the place to, f- to check that out. I think actually Block Safety. Safety. safety.com I think would be the site that Jacob would have mentioned but here's what's cool you know we make sure we go out and and uh, pick up the uh, the other necessary domain names <laughs> uh, for those of you that maybe are not in the know but recently concealedcarry.com family of companies acquired uh, barrel block the product and so that is now part of our brand and our family of of products and companies like i mentioned uh, again going to block, barrelblock.com pick up this dry fire safety device so you can practice safely in any environment uh, in any direction uh, so you can make your gun truly inert and enable to be fired now obviously we still want to practice good safe handling practices uh, with with respect to handling our firearms in dry fire or anytime, but you, and even with the barrel block installed, but do it with the barrel block because it's just that extra piece of reassurance. Um, because there are far too many accidents that happen to all kinds of people all the time, all over the place, including people that you'd like to think can be trusted with guns. I was actually just reading yesterday, Matthew, in a local news story. I actually was going to drop the link. I'll, I'll uh, try to do that after we get done with the podcast here. Um, but there is a, a murder case that is kind of up in the air right now as far as how that's going to proceed because of some issues behind the scenes with some of the investigators involved. One of those investigators, some of the uh, stuff came to light because he ended up accidentally shooting himself off duty and at home through the hand. Uh, So yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, cops make mistakes. Uh, Shooters make mistakes. Instructors make mistakes. Uh, Joe's and Jane's doing dry fire practice make mistakes. Pick up a nine millimeter 40, 357 SIG, 380 auto, 45 ACP, or even in the 223.556 calibers barrel block today. Although in the right case, the rifle ones, we re- refer to those as rifle block. Um, but uh, they're all barrel block products. And barrel block spelled B-A-R-R-E-L-B-L-O-K. That's barrel block with a K, not a C-K, dot com. So uh, glad to have uh, barrel block part of the family and sponsor Shooter Ray Challenge. And then, um, oh, also, uh, Ready Up Gear is uh, also mentioned as part of Shooter Ready Challenge because uh, people that are on the Ready Up Gear newsletter, okay, or email list, uh, are automatically entered into a monthly drawing or, or giveaway for Ready Up Gear products. So make sure you sign up for the monthly newsletter at uh, uh, shooterratechallenge.com. And just scroll down on the page, you'll see the place where you can put in your email address. And uh, Ready Up Gear will be providing free gear to a lucky winner. So, readyupgear.com, of course, the website there. All right. Um, let's get into Matthew now. Today's topic uh, again, we are discussing grabbing the gun from the safe or grabbing the gun from the tabletop. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be a nightstand, I suppose, if, if if that's the context you find yourself in. I know we have one viewer here today that's already commented about how you know he doesn't have any children at home, um, doesn't have any you know safety issues that way, and goes to bed at night and has the gun sitting on the nightstand. Like, okay, cool, all right, that's fine. Like that works for you. Um, hopefully. You know, my personal opinion on stuff like that would be that when you're away from home, that you don't have guns just hanging out, even when you're away from home, even though there's nobody else in the home, just because that becomes prime burglar fodder. Um, You know, guns are a a hot ticket item right now for thieves to get their hands on, both in vehicles and home break-ins. Some people are very careful with respect to this type of stuff. Very, and by that I mean like careful with with how they are viewed and perceived outside of the home in the, in the public space on social media and stuff for very smart uh, reasons. But it probably doesn't take that much work to uh, sometimes track a person down and figure out that they're a gun, a gun gal or gun dude and, uh, and put two and two together and think, hmm, well, if I can find them with their pants down 
or in a vulnerable situation where they're away, the home's not protected, there's a good chance I break in, I can get my hands on some stuff, right? Certainly targeted crimes have been a thing and will continue to be a thing. Certainly targeted crimes are a thing with respect to vehicles. See it all the time. Actually just came across yet another example from a friend of mine online sharing a story of their vehicle getting broken into recently. Um, and uh, that's that's problematic. Okay. So gun, guns are a desirable item. Uh, so anyway, point is, uh, if you're away from the home, make sure stuff's secured. Uh, if you got children in the home, make sure stuff's secured. Um, yeah, but you do you. You got to make the best decisions for you and your household, your family, whatever that is. Today, though, we are discussing the idea. If you got to pick up the gun up off the table uh, or grab it from a quick access vault or safe or something like that, how do you do it? How do you do it effectively, efficiently, and safely? So, Matthew, you uh, talked about or you well, you already watched Shooter Raid Challenge. Sure. Yep. Uh, so I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts a little bit on your your take. You what I was saying is you you talked a little bit about how it's a little bit of a different uh, yeah. Shooter Raid Challenge than some of the ones in the past. Uh, so I wanted to kind of hear you expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, typically, if you guys you guys have been doing the Shooter Raid Challenge for a while, no. I mean, it's, it's mostly drill based, right? Like we're running a specific drill and, um, or Riley's running a drill and, or series of drills and trying to isolate specific skills and things. Um, this was a little different because, um, you know, you brought the safe out and you were kind of just running through stuff that, I mean, typically people aren't, uh, deploying the gun from, uh, a tabletop, I guess, you know, if you, if you, uh, shoot matches, that might be one of the, you know, ways you start or something like that. Um, or, you know, if you can't draw, uh, from the holster at a range or something, you might Im- implement something like this, but typically we're, we're going from the holster. Um, and I like that you brought the safe out and just kind of said, look, we're not trying to, you know, put in all these different variables to, to, you know, uh, I'm laying in bed or how long does it take me? Like everybody has to do that on their own and figure out how long does it take you to get from point A to point B to wherever your gun is staged in the house. Um, but then if you just look at, you know, how long does it take me to get the safe open, um, grab my firearm and, and, and get a shot, you know, a, a, a well-placed shot on a target. Um, and from a very, very, various different uh positions one being in the safe one on the table unloaded and one on the table um loaded and and just kind of get those metrics in uh in your mind and so you can kind of figure out well maybe you know it makes sense that i have a, a quick access safe it only adds half a second and i thought it would take me so much longer but if i'm not going to have the gummy maybe i have it in this quick access safe and it, it actually only takes a half a second once I actually get to the safe. So uh, I, I, I like the kind of how you switched it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it eye opening at all to you to see the difference in time uh, going from just picking a gun up off the table or even drawing from a holster compared to accessing one that's, that is locked away? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you guys haven't watched the, the uh, video yet, just think in your mind, like, Okay, coming from how long will it take you to draw the gun and and get one shot versus uh, it being on the table? And you'd be like, of course, if it's on the table, it's going to be much quicker. Um, But the fact that, you know, it's on the table and it can be sometimes more difficult to get a good grip sometimes. So there are other factors that factor in that make it a little bit more difficult than what you would think just picking it up off a table. Um, that was kind of, because I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't normally practice picking up the gun off the table quickly and, and deploying it. It's sitting on my desk. You know, I have a cert pistol here. It's sitting, you know, I pick it up, but I'm not under any sort of time hack or, uh, haven't done any metrics. Um, I can tell you how long it takes me to draw, but not that. So, uh, it was kind of eye opening uh, that it, it did take a little bit longer than what I would have suspected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and here's what's really, I think, critical to, from my point of view, Matthew, is that, uh, again, in the Shooter Raid Challenge video, uh, and let me just describe this a little bit further so you have the full context, everybody. So here, here's what we did. 
first of all, I started with uh, just uh, just picking up the gun, uh, like a, a normal person would probably pick it up, which is gun sitting there on the table. Typically, it's the one thing we did do is we always had it positioned uh, with the side facing us that is the same side that our dominant hand is going to grab it. So if if I'm right-handed, the right side of the gun is going to be facing up because my right hand is going to wrap around the grip that way. So we were consistent in doing it that way each time. If you were lefty, I would just simply reverse that. But um, what we did is first we just we started with uh, as sort of a baseline, just grabbing the gun off the table. Okay, just like you would normally probably do it, which is you just simply grab the grip as best as you can and pick it up and then do your thing. Um, the challenge is when you have a gun sitting flat on the table, uh, there's not all, you know, there's not a bunch of room to actually get your, your hand properly positioned and fingers wrapped all the way around the grip because the grip's in contact with the table. So you kind of have to push the table out of the way, so to speak, or really you're, you're kind of lifting the gun up off the table as you squeeze fingers underneath it to try to get a full grip around it and then raise it up to, to be fired. So we did it that way. And then we did it a secondary way, which I described as being sometimes, and actually usually I would say, it may not be true for everybody or for every gun. See, there, there's maybe some situations out there where um, I could see this maybe working out better in your favor by just grabbing the gun. But the second approach was more of a two-handed approach where you're actually using both hands to get a hold of the gun and get it into your firing hand grip and then shoot. Um, the third thing was testing, grabbing the gun out of the quick access vault. In this case, uh, just a standard tabletop style model of handgun vault. Um, and there is some some foam on the f- bottom of it inside, which is helpful because that automatically allows you to create a little bit of space around the grip as you grasp it and try to retrieve it from the vault. So that's that's kind of nice and helpful. But it, but we were actually starting with that vault locked. So, you know, it was all about entering in the combination. In this case, it was a demo unit, and I just was putting in one, two, three, four on the keypad and grabbing the gun and then shooting. Oh, wait, I missed one other thing, too. We did a uh, we did one where we started with uh, um, the magazine and the gun not loaded. So, well, magazine's loaded, but the gun's not loaded, right? So it's a, like a classic unloaded tabletop start that you see in IDPA or USPSA type competition. So just as a, as another example of, well, what does this look like if I have to grab magazine, grab gun, pick it up, insert mag, rack slide, shoot a shot. All right. So those are the different things that we tested. And, and as, Ma- as Matthew pointed out to eliminate as many variables as possible, I do everything basically starting from the same position, which is standing, looking at, the gun or the safe uh, hands just resting naturally at my side uh, or below the belt or whatever. And, and maybe they're slightly in front of me or whatever, but that's, that's fine. So the eye opening thing to me, Matthew, and like, I think a really critical thing to consider is there is a huge difference in time from accessing the gun out of the vault and just simply picking up and shooting it. Multiply that by being awakened in the night, having to discern your surroundings and noises and what's going on, and then making your way from a resting position in your bed to wherever your safe or vault is located, opening it, retrieving the gun, and then be able to put it into use, right? So... I think my absolute best times with opening the the vault and grabbing the gun and shooting were around three seconds, which is pretty speedy. Um, but it's not f- far off to think that, you know, if you got to come out of bed and make your way to your safe, uh, even if that safer vault is right next to the bed or on the, ta- on the nightstand or mounted to the side of the bed or whatever, it's probably going to take probably more like 10 seconds, maybe, maybe longer, you know, just depending on a whole bunch of variety uh, variables. So that's, um, that's important to understand. I think um, it's important because in the context of this podcast for years now, we've covered justified, sa- justified save stories, 
where a common theme is bad guy has somehow made his way into home and the the phrase that we read in news stories pretty commonly is so and so then went to retrieve their gun mm-hmm. right now it's understandable when that you have to retrieve it if it's nighttime and you're obviously not sleeping with a gun on your person maybe some of you are some of you crazy yahoos out there but for most of us you know we're 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 asleep in a comfortable manner and we we will have to retrieve the gun but there's tons of instances where it's the middle of the day uh it's waking hours and and i get the idea that we all have to make our own decisions and our own risk assessments and like some of us don't want to pack a gun around with us in the comfort of our own home totally get that but we do know is that it takes a good number of seconds at, at a minimum to go and retrieve said gun and a lot of really bad things can happen to the people you love and the time frame it takes for you to get that that gun in your hands mm-hmm. right so just something to think about and that's that's kind of the that was a secondary purpose of me testing that just so we could show very definitively I mean, I, I know that nobody thinks that it was going to be like, it's, it's, it's a common sense thing that obviously just grabbing a gun off a table, even do an unloaded table start is going to definitely be faster than grabbing from a vault or safe. Sure. But it, I think that's, what's really cool about laser app software is the fact that we can do stuff in drive fire and through the means of c- combining it with uh, stuff like ready up gears, laser dot trainer cartridges or um, cert pistols and the, and, and the like that we can do manipulations and actually measure data, actual data so that we can make better informed decisions in the comfort, comfort of our own home, in our own circumstances, not on the square flat range, right? But actually putting things in the context of, well, what does this look like in my home, mm-hmm. in my circumstance, in in my domain, you know, and with ha- with working with whatever variables I have to work around uh, in, in in my home, in my domain. So um, anyway, that was kind of the idea. That was the concept. And uh, so we've, we've put out kind of the overarching context, if you will, and describe to you what we worked our way through uh, progressively through these different iterations of various versions, we'll call them, of table starts. Um, and um, the, the data is kind of interesting. So yeah. some other takeaways were that just by grabbing the gun off the table, right, compared to using the two-handed approach, which I think we should talk about here uh, shortly, uh, there's a difference in time between those two, two techniques. And there's a difference in the consistency whereby I get the grip on the gun. And therefore there's also a consistency, a greater amount of consistency, consistency in the performance of getting my hits on target. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is, is doing all of that more consistently, more accurately in less time consistently uh which which is which is relevant because you know where possible i think it always makes sense to do things the most efficient manner and Mm -hmm. efficiency implies that we're doing things in the most timely fashion so um why don't we go ahead and go there now matthew so right off the bat like i said in the beginning we test just grabbing the gun off the tabletop and then we with, with our dominant hand before we get the support hand on the gun. And in the second instance, we use the support hand to help grab and lift the gun into the firing hand. What were your thoughts there? And what were some of your takeaways or observations? Yeah. If I recall, uh, when you use the two handed method, it was, was it slightly, was slightly faster, right? Is that, Mm -hmm. and more consistent, I think was, was what you you said. It was like one to two tenths faster. Right. And, and and definitely more consistent in terms of getting my grip on the gun correctly and also yeah. getting hits on target. Yeah, and I think that that's a, an important thing to to 
so two tenths of a second. I mean, we're splitting hairs at this point, but um, I think more so is your consistency in the grip because you're shooting basically a draw to first shot or pick up to first shot, right? Well, if what happens if you don't have a firm grip on that gun or a good grip and you fire the first shot and you need to fire more and you're struggling to get a good grip. Well, those shots are who knows where they're going, right? Like they might hit the target, but uh, you know, uh, there's nothing to say that they will if you have a subpar grip, but if you have a, con- uh, you know, establish a good grip and um, then, then you fire additional shots, those shots, you should be able to control them much better. Right. And if we're in the context of a home, where a miss isn't just, oh, well, you know, I, I, I got, a, you know, a, a Charlie or whatever, like it goes through the wall and potentially, mm-hmm. you know, harm somebody like, so the, I think that in my calculus, even if it were, you know, two tenths the other way, and it took longer to get a two hand, you know, using two hands, but I got, you know, a better grip on the gun and more consistent grip, I would almost say, you know, I, I would, I would, trade off the two tenths of a second to get a better grip. But the fact that, you know, by using both hands, you're able to kind of uh, get the hand, the gun in the hand um, quicker and more consistent. I think that that that's a good, cause I, I didn't even think about, you know, the two handed using the, the other hand to kind of uh, ease it in, you know, flip it into the hand. I actually, um, it's funny because in my safe, the, the way I have my gun, I actually have like a little piece of uh harder um, styrofoam in there, mm-hmm. not not the hard styrofoam, but a little harder packing foam type stuff um, that kind of props up the backside of my, you know, the, the, the grip of my gun. So when I go in there, my thumb can get under there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but looking at you doing that on the table, um, it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, if we want to talk about how it makes it easier or more efficient or faster, like that's all fine and well. But what I can tell you is it's also just safer. Anytime that we are conducting gun manipulations where two hands are involved versus just one, uh, particularly in a context where we got to maintain control of or security of that pistol, um, two hands is going to be better than one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what's going on here. So to describe it for those that are not able to watch the video uh, and they're just listening to the podcast and try to give you some, some, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, verbiage, but imagery you know, to, to, uh, I can't even think what the word is all of a sudden, man, I feel dumb. Uh, to describe it for you. So you can try to visualize it in your mind. What we're basically talking about here, let's just say the gun's laying flat on the table. My support hand and my firing hand are going to do this together. This is this is a two-handed effort, right? So right off the bat, both hands are simultaneously going for the gun. My firing hand is making contact with the grip of the gun about where it normally would. My support hand, usually what I'm doing, Matthew, is taking the fingertips of my support hand with my palm up getting a hold of the edge of the slide, an optic, whatever I can on the top side of the pistol. So my keep in mind my firing hand is down where the grip of the gun is. So my support hand's coming in on the top portion of the pistol, typically on the slide or in the slide area. And it's just getting a hold of anything it can, you know, underneath, grabbing hold of an edge, a lip, an optic, like I said, you know, the video is very convenient because I'm using my gun that has an optic on it and I'm just basically getting a hold of the optic, which works great. And all we're doing is we're using that support hand to help lift the gun up off the table. And as it's doing that, it comes up into the firing hand and we create that space for me to finish my grip. Right. So I can get my, my fingers fully wrapped around, get my thumb where I want it on the opposing side of the grip, make sure that the grip is high up into the beaver tail of the gun, that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's, it's really a kind of a simultaneous process there, uh, or at least it's all happening very, very quickly, you know, right there together. So both hands are going to the gun. And by the fact that both hands are making contact with the gun, we're basically pinning the gun in between our hands. So now the gun can't accidentally get knocked 
off to the side, knocked off the table, spun around. I can't tell you the, I, I, I can't, it's not like I can say it's how ha- I've seen it a ton, but I have seen it a time or two in matches where we're doing a table start, an unloaded start, and the shooter goes to grab the gun and they just grab it with the firing hand, but they miss something somewhere along the way, don't quite get full control of it, and the gun gets spun around sideways, sometimes completely all the way around, <laughs> which is always uncomfortable when you know guns are pointing uprange, uh, although that's, that is rare, but it does happen. And so by using this two-handed approach, you're pinning the gun between your hands. So you're gonna you're automatically guaranteed much greater control over that gun. Therefore, it's much safer and it's more efficient because now my support hand is simply helping lift the gun into the firing hand, and away we go. So there you go. That's the idea. All right. So simple approach. It's not one that's often intuitively thought of, though. By like, if I just took a random sampling of shooters and put tables on the ta- or guns on the table. You know, and said, all right, pick up these guns off the table. Almost everybody would just grab it with their hand and pick it up because that's what we, I don't know, that's just what we do. Okay. But just this one little thing with using the support hand to help guide that process makes it so much more consistent and more efficient and also safer. So, where possible, that's a technique I use because it's a win, win, win. Yeah. There's like no downside to doing it that way. So, um, there you go. That's the two-handed support hand assist method of picking the gun up off the table, which is relevant in a lot of contexts. Now, in the case of the unloaded start, and this was an example where we're starting with a gun that's unloaded. That means nothing in the chamber, nothing in the magazine, or nothing in the grip as far as uh, there's, there's no magazine in the gun, right? And then there's a loaded magazine next to the gun. All right. And so then we're picking up gun and magazine and loading, which also means chambering around and then shooting it. Uh, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about that portion of the shooter aid challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, there may be instances where um, just because of how you uh, store your gun you know, it is unloaded. You store it unloaded for whatever reason, right? Um, and so, I think that that was um, it, it, here. Here's the thing: all of these little. If you're going in through your mind and saying, "Of course, I could pick up my gun and load it and shoot it really quickly," um, but how quick and how long does it take you to do that versus some of these other methods? And I think, you know, it's it's not so much that it is these you know, picking the gun up off the table and putting a, a magazine in and racking the slide and shooting is that like mind blowingly different than just picking up a loaded gun and shooting it or punching in a code and grabbing it out of safe. But when you start manipulating the gun like this in different, um, different ways, right. If it's loaded, unloaded on a table th- in a safe um, it, I think, and if you do it enough, um, not only does it give you good metrics by using the software um, in 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 time, but I think that you'll just become better, um, more adept at handling the gun in different positions. Because here's the thing: you may um, stage the gun one way, and like you said, you go to grab it and it spins around. And and being able to nip, you know, practice these things. Um, I just think that it makes you a better gun handler and, and and you'll figure out little things that might help you. Maybe it's something simple as wherever I stage my gun, I, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a table that's very slick, maybe I have like a little placemat thing there underneath my safe. So when the gun comes out, you know, it, it won't spin as much if it's on the table, right? Like as, as opposed to, you know, a granite top, the, the gun spins like a top, but I have this little, you know, mouse pad thing on my desk right now. If the gun's sitting on there and I go to pick it up and I nudge it, it's not going to go spinning around. Is it? So just these little things that you might test in your own home, you might figure out, um, maybe I want my safe a little bit lower or a little bit higher, maybe because it's easier to get my hand in there or, or whatever. So, um, it, it, in addition to just doing these things, um, I think doing them in the context of your own home, you'll find out, um, you'll, you'll become a little bit more adept at how you get the gun in exactly how you store it in your home. 
Yeah. Um, good, good thoughts there. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was thinking similarly that there's some people watching or listening that would be like, well, why would I be starting with my gun unloaded like this? Uh, what, what, what's the context there? And, and I think you make a solid point in one that I agree with that in this case, it is even for me, almost purely a gun manipulation practice. Mm-hmm. And that by simply doing that, it, broadens and deepens the repertoire, if you will, of gun manipulation capabilities that I have that quite often a lot of that carries over and just makes me overall a lot better at manipulating and handling my gun. Um, although we also talk about it in the shoot rate challenge because and demonstrate it, uh, I think because they're very, I, I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to assume that everybody watching stages their guns the same way. And that I think it's entirely likely and probable that we have some within the sound of our voices and those that are viewing those dry fire videos that stage their guns in a safe or a vault unloaded. And so, all right, well, let's, let's cover that. This might not apply to everybody, but I think it's still good practice to do. And for those of you that it does apply to, great, awesome. You're welcome. We covered that for you as well. And for those of you that competitively shoot or think are thinking about getting into competitive shooting, uh, as has been mentioned by Elkie and others in the comments on Facebook and YouTube here today as we've been live recording this, uh, the unloaded table starts is a common thing in competitive shooting sports for, uh, well, especially for pistol, but also PCC and USPSA and IDPA and, and other contexts, other competitive shooting sports as well. So, um, so it is a relevant uh, skill in some of those practical contexts. Um, now here's the thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to touch on, on two things for clarification purposes. We just talked about my preferred method for using two hands or both hands to get the gun into my hand off a table. Uh, in my example of the tabletop start in the Shooter Ray Challenge video, I grasp the gun and the magazine simultaneously, meaning firing hand grabbing the gun, support hand grabbing the magazine. Part of that is just that it is more efficient to do it that way. It just is, uh, obviously, because I'm doing more things simultaneously, right? I've got to get a gun in my hand, in one hand. I've got to get a magazine off the table. I've got to get that magazine into the gun. I could get the gun loaded. The more things I can do simultaneously, the the more efficient that's going to be. Now, could it could the argument be made that it's safer, more secure, and therefore maybe we should consider still using the support hand to help get the gun up off the table and into the firing hand, and then grass magazine, then load? Sure, absolutely. What would that change? Well, it'd probably add two-tenths of a second to the overall time or something. Like, okay, cool. Like, test that out. And you got really cool dry fire software like Laser X or Laser Classic to be able to actually measure those things and compare them and just know what you're dealing with and make the best informed decision you can. Uh, so, uh, in, in my case, I'll just say that one of the things I said is a downside of just simply grasping the gun with your firing hand off a table is that there's sometimes inconsistencies with how I end up gripping the gun. And that causes some problems later on with the shooting. The reason why this works a little bit better for me when I'm grabbing both my gun and my magazine to load the gun is that between the time I'm grabbing the gun and getting the gun on target, there's a little bit more time because there's time that's eaten up by the fact that we're actually loading the gun and chambering around. And so what that means is that there's more time in there where if I don't quite have the grip that I should have, I can usually be manipulating that, that grip and making little tweaks and getting it to where I need it to be while I'm still doing, doing some of the other manipulations where there might not be quite that much time available to do that when I'm simply grabbing the gun and shooting it, if that makes sense. So again, is that, is that ideal when I miss my grip and does it then, you know, cost me a little, a little bit and having to fix it? Uh, sure. Right. You know, we'd much rather grab the gun in our master grip, our usual 
strong firing hand grip. Uh, but in the, in this case where I'm trying to also be efficient with performing multiple tasks, uh, I want, you know, that, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to just simply deal with the inconsist- inconsistencies where I have to. And in this case, I have a little bit more time to actually make that possible before I ever end up with the gun up in both hands and on target and getting ready to shoot. So just wanted to touch on a couple of those things there. Um, the one thing that is sometimes missed or not thought about by some shooters, Matthew, is the importance of what your eye looks at when you are doing manipulations like these or when you're simply just grabbing the gun. Uh, had you ever given that any thought before you watched the video? Uh, not in this context. I mean, obviously, um, it it makes a lot of sense when we do target transitions. It does. It makes a lot of sense what we're looking at when we're actually, you know, or before, you know, let's say you're going to run a build drill or something. What you're looking at before the beep and before you start. I mean, um, so where our eyes are looking helps determine kind of some of how our motions are. If you're ever driving a car and you look over to the right, your hands some, tend to you know, kind of follow your eyes and you start drifting to the right and vice versa. So, um, but you kind of, you know, in the video showed, you know, when you start, you're looking at the gun at a specific point of the, on the gun, um, so that your hands go to that point. Um, and I was thinking this, this is, um, one of those things that, you know, is, you're, you'll have to do it in your own home because think about how your where your safe is. Is there light near your safe if this happens at night? Um, these types of things so that you can actually see what you're doing because being able to see what you're doing obviously you know helps. So some of those safes have a, an interior light that comes on for a period of time when the safe opens. That might be a, a good consideration to have. Um, so that you're not searching around in the safe, just grabbing at random things you can actually see and reach in to grab your gun. Yeah. And, and you're, you're spot on. I mean, so this, this concept we'll call it is, um, this, this applies to so many things where precision or precise movements are required. Um, think about how you can implement this type of thing, you know, just of, of deliberately knowing what to look at and fixate on, um, and then actually doing it because it, all we're doing is we're aiming. Like there's so many things in life that we actually aim and we don't think about. Right. Uh, I say aim and people in the context of, what we do here in the podcast think I'm going to be referencing the act of gun up in my eye line at a point at a target, aiming and shooting it. But when I'm looking at that gun sitting on the table and I'm about to pick it up, I'm aiming. I'm not just looking at it generally. I'm not just like taking in. I mean, I am taking in more visual information peripherally too, if necessary, or if I can, uh, certainly that there, that's, that's a good thing, but where my eyes are actually fixated on for me, and this might vary from person to person, but I think this is probably a pretty good place to at least start for most people is I am fixated on the point just underneath the trigger guard, right where my middle finger is going to contact and ultimately rest on the grip of the gun. Now I've heard some people say that they fixate on the uh, kind of like the beaver tail area where, where they want their web of their hand, the thumb or whatever to go. And there's, there's logic to that as well. Uh, so it, it's about trying different things and seeing what works best for you, but you still want to be using this concept of visually fixating or aiming your eye on something that's relevant to you getting the task accomplished. And it's not, not not any different at all from performing a reload. And I know that there's this debate sometimes in our community about, well, should I look or not look when I'm doing a reload, you know, because of tactical reasons. 
if you need to do a reload, and we've hashed this out, and I'm going to just throw my opinion out there again, but just to make a point here, if we need to do, do a reload, my number one priority in that moment is getting that reload accomplished because there's a reason that I need the ammo in the gun and my gun cannot function as a gun until that reload is accomplished. So yes, there's a lot of things that are important in that moment, but in that very specific moment, there is nothing more important than me getting that reload accomplished because if I fail to do so, then I may fail in the overall objective of defending myself and stopping a threat. If I fumble that reload because I'm so locked into this idea of, well, I must maintain visual contact with my threat at all times. And therefore I'm going to try to do this reload based off of so-called muscle memory or doing it peripherally or whatever. Well, that's great until it doesn't work. And now some people say, well, that just means I need to practice more. And, you know, like it, it should work. You should be able to do that 100% of the time. Here's the thing. I truly believe this. And I believe there's science that supports this as well, though I'm doing some more research in this regard. Um, as part of my overall research, I'm doing individual processing related things. But I believe you will consistently and pretty much always be more precise, more consistent, and faster or more efficient when conducting precision movements when you actually fixate on the stuff that's relevant to accomplishing those movements. So even though I can, and by the way, I can perform no-look reloads pretty dang good. Part of the reason why is because I spent a lot of time actually looking at that reload and performing and teaching my body and my brain what I, what that no look reload is all about, like learning that quote unquote muscle memory. Okay. But in my own experiments, I have been consistently better and faster and more con and more consistent when I very intently, and it's only for a brief moment for maybe two tenths to a quarter second of, of time where my eye goes down to the very front portion of the opening of the magwell of the grip of my gun. It's essentially where my index finger indexed along the front of the magazine is, is aiming for. And that makes sense because I'm looking at that point and then it's only a simple matter for me just to shoot that index finger to that point where my eye is. So now I've, I've heard some people have different, they look at the, the bottom edge of the magazine uh, magwell or some other you know, point or whatever. But for me, I look right where I want my index finger essentially to, to end up as I'm doing that reload. And when I do that, I nail the reload 99.9% .9 of the time. When I don't do that, I have a failure rate of probably five to 10%, give or take. I don't know. I'm estimating. So all of that to just say that there's a purpose behind fixating on that specific point on the gun where I want another specific part of my hand to interface. And what I've learned for me is that when that middle finger hits that point consistently, everything else falls into place. All right. Enough about that. We've got to start, you know, we got to leave some time to cover some, some more things here. The coming from the safe or the vault. Okay. Um, first, I want to hear your take on that, Matthew. Yeah. So uh, I kind of mentioned, I, you know, I, I staged my my handgun um, with the with the dominant the, the side that my dominant hand would grab um, up, which is typically how most people would would put it in there. Um, now, with the with most safes with the spongy kind of interior, you can probably get your thumb under there pretty easily. Like I said, I kind of have this a little uh, ridge built in mine with a little piece of foam that kind of jacks up my my um, grip a little bit so I can go in there and it's, it's, it's not vertical, right? If you had a, ver a safe that stores your gun vertically, then you reach in there and you grip it and you have your master grip, whatever. Um, but if not, which most, you know, safes are, are you're going to have it sideways. Uh, I like it because I can get my thumb under there. There's a space where I can just reach in there and get my grip very, uh, very easily. You had kind of two different um, demonstrations in there or uh, you know, different 
iterations where one you had it loaded um and you you or you you didn't run through the drill but you said you know in the safe you might have the the magazine on one side or the other of the gun um think about those things in your safe like look at you know look at your safe and figure out how to actually don't just throw it in there right like have some sort of purpose of why you do it, where you put, if you don't have your gun loaded in the safe, uh, you know, it's probably better to keep your magazine on the left side because, you know, or the, the side of your support hand, um, if you have a flashlight in there, because you, you know, maybe you, you have a, a weapon mounted light, but you also want a, a handheld light. Um, where do you keep that? Is it in, is it in the back? Is it on the, so all these things just kind of keep in mind and you won't really know what the best or most efficient or most consistent method is until you do something like this. Um, and that's kind of why I, I really liked how you switched it up. It, took it from, you know, this is a, this is a drill to, Hey, let me work out the kinks of my, how, how I actually stage my gun in my home. And so I can get the, either the best time, um, or maybe I subtract, you know, I, I sacrifice a little bit of time for consistency or access. Um, and so, but like I said, you'll only know that once you get in your home with your safe and your gun and, you know, your nightstand and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good thoughts. Uh, yeah. Giving thought about how you stage uh, your gun when it's not on your person. Uh, super, super important. We had a really valid question slash comment. Uh, they were, they were just making sure we were going to touch on this. And I, I said, yeah, I'm going to touch on that. Cause I think it's absolutely relevant and this is not specific to, um, the, the drill, if you will, or the shooter raid challenge uh, itself, but this is very relevant to the idea of having a gun staged in a safe or vault. And Scott on uh, YouTube says, uh, uh, did you already mention, because he had just joined when he, when he commented this, a trigger guard holster attached by a cord to the interior of the safe enhances safety considerably without adding time. So yes, uh, very, very solid practice. Uh, I know a number of people that do this. And uh, I, I don't do it so much because I, I for my home defense pistol, uh, I use a handgun vault that's secure and, and but that I you know that's where I pull it from. And the way my that vault works, um, I, I feel very com- completely comfortable with how I'm grasping my gun and not worried about doing something you know stupid in the moment. Um, but uh, uh, the idea here that Scott's talking about is that there's the trigger guard type holsters, if you will, where it just covers the trigger guard, really like a trigger um, guard cover, trigger guard safety device, that kind of thing. Even like the Q-Series uh, stealth holsters um, actually would work very well in this regard. But there's a number of companies that make this type of idea. And a lot of times they have a lanyard attached or at least the ability to add a lanyard. And you can just use some standard uh, 550 paracord and uh, attach that para- the, the other end of that lanyard to something within the safe um, at an appropriate distance. So the idea here is that your gun is staged in the safe with the trigger guard holster or protector on the gun. Um, so that kind of the, the idea being that in the moment under stress, I don't rush it, don't get you know, I'm not too hyped up or hopped up or whatever on adrenaline and, you know, accidentally go to grab my gun and snag the trigger or do something silly. Uh, so the idea being that we grab the gun, we pull it out of the safe or vault. And when we hit the limits of that lanyard or that paracord or string or whatever we're using, it's just going to pull the trigger guard cover off. And, uh, and then, of course, then at that point, the gun is deployed and ready for use. It's a very simple and smart and safe approach to staging a gun in a safe or vault and adding a, an extra layer of protection just in case we are a little careless, you know, in the heat of the moment as we're grabbing the gun and because crazy things can happen. So a very solid piece of advice, something to consider. So, uh, and we touched on some things re- related to the idea of grabbing the gun out of the safe or vault earlier in the episode, talked about the difference in time, talked about what that would look like if we were actually having to get out of bed or come across from the other side of the house or whatever it is, 
what we know is it's going to add time. Give that some thought and think about what some of your other home defense strategies and plans are uh, related to you know, hearing that bump in the night, the breaking glass, the busting down of a door uh, relative to how much time is it going to take me to get my gun in hand and be able to deploy it and use it? And is there anything else I can be doing to further harden the security of my home, buy myself more time or other tools I can have at my disposal to buy myself some time uh, until I can have that, that gun or defensive tool in my hand uh, prior to it being used. Right. So uh, things to consider, things to think about, some, some nice tie-ins here to the home defense plans and strategies. And uh, I, I hope that this episode's given you some, some things to think about. Yeah. I, I, and I'm glad you hit that. that. That was something that I wanted to come back to and just, just, you know, because this is just one layer, right? Like the, getting the yep. gun out of the safe, if hopefully we're not, trying to get the gun out of the safe while the person's on top of us, right? Like that's, it doesn't matter how quick you are, tenths of a second, like, right. So like, this is just part of a layered approach. And so, um, you know, if, if you're looking at this and saying, it takes me three seconds to get the gun out of my safe in my hand, ready for use. Okay. Um, what else can I do to, to give me time? Because certainly leaving the gun on the nightstand is going to be quicker, but that might not be your situation. You might not be able to do that. So um, it, it's not just about time at that point. It's what is my con- entire strategy of uh, defending my home um, so that I can have time or I can best get to my gun Um you know, think about lighting, think about all, all the things in your home that would allow you to access the gun quicker, maybe stage guns in different areas of the home with, with safes in, in different areas and figure out how you can get to those places. But this is, you can utilize the LSR software in this, you know, uh, application, tweak it to fit however you want in different parts of your home and, and, and run through it and have fun. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a learning experience and it's, a, it's, it'll be enjoyable too, right? Cause it's, it, you're, you know, acting out things in your own home. So that's, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Good thoughts. Uh, and, and I think that's a good place to, to begin wrapping this up. And so I appreciate uh, you doing this episode with me here today, Matthew. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, folks, uh, as always, go check out ShooterRaidChallenge.com uh, to view the most recent Shooter Raid Challenge videos or any of the past previous ones. So the whole purpose of doing the Shooter Raid Challenge uh, series is to give people different ideas of and ways of dry fire practicing. Um, and, and particularly incorporates the use of some dry fire technology in the form of the laser app software. Uh, and the way we try to, you know, connect those two two worlds i mean the dry fire and the technology world is is showing the power of that especially as it relates to measuring your performance and gathering data and metrics uh in in a dry fire context because that's that's one of the hardest things to do right it's one thing to go to the range and go expend live ammo and spend a bunch of money and take your shot timer and collect data that way right and, and like that's honestly that's a that's a great way. Um, I, it, there's a temptation to almost say that's the best way, right? Is it, but is it really best? I, I think that's um, a nuanced discussion to have there. Yeah, live fire is live fire. Um, to say that it's the best way to gather certain information and data about your shooting, um, an argument could be made, but I think that there's a lot that we could do in dry fire. And when we put some data measurement or metrics to it, it kind of, I think it it brings the whole picture together, the whole, everything just comes together and it becomes a very powerful uh, way of approaching dry fire. All right. I spend the bulk of my dry fire time. This is just being, being completely transparent. I spend the bulk of my dry fire time just doing various dry fire exercises or drills um, of specific things that I'm trying to work on and the, not necessarily always using the software or the technology or the various tools, except for maybe barrel block. Okay. But I use those tools regularly so that I can confirm in dry fire that what I'm doing is working and that I'm making headway 
on my progress to my to my shooting goals and that's 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 the power of it and that's why i think it's so important you look into uh stuff like laser app um or uh, uh some of the other tools like we talk about here you know things like cert pistols and stuff and and all that so anyway um guys shooteratechallenge.com go check it out uh, get some ideas for your dry fire training. Get get to work. Put in the work, and you will make improvement. Again, our our sponsors today were LaserApp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com, BarrelBlock.com, B-A-R-R-E-L-B-L-O-K, BarrelBlock with a K.com, and ReadyUpGear.com, ReadyUpGear.com. Simple enough. You can find uh, a whole bunch of great products there at ReadyUpGear, and of course they sponsor our uh, monthly giveaway associated with Shooter Rate Challenge. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching today. We'll be back uh, later today, Jacob and I recording our monthly Justified Saves episode. So stay tuned for that. It'll be a good one. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care.